0: Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about Messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director.
1: Shalom, friends, or should I say, chavarim. That means friends in Hebrew. It's a really wonderful word. There's a song, shalom, chavarim, and uh, it's just... It's just one of those wonderful Hebrew terms that are easy to learn, and uh, the singular is chaver, and so if you can get that ch, you got the word chaverim, plural chaver, singular friends and friend, and so we hope that you're a friend of Yeshua of Jesus the Messiah, and that you're a friend of Chosen People Ministries. It's our joy to sponsor this radio program where we look at Scripture. Through a Jewish lens. And uh, oftentimes we try to bring up some current events about what God's doing in Israel and how matters are shaping up prophetically. Uh, But uh, today we're going to stick to scripture and we're going to talk about the whole idea of Jesus being the Messiah and dying for our sins. That is such a central truth of Scripture. And as a Jewish person who follows Jesus, I can tell you that when I believed that Jesus died for my sins, that transformed my life. I was never the same. It's been over 50 years. I've never been the same because what was keeping me from a personal relationship with God was my sin. And the implication of the sin, and sin gets in the way of our relationship with God. And when we believe in what Jesus did and understand that he actually took away our sin, took it away as far as the East is from the West, and because he took it away through his sacrificial and atoning death, we can have a personal relationship with the God of the universe, the God who made us whether we're Jew or a Gentile or raised in any religion there is, we're not talking about religion anymore. We're only talking about a relationship, a personal, authentic relationship between us and the master of the universe. And that comes through the atoning death of Jesus. This should never have surprised the Jewish people because the atoning death of Jesus was very intricately mapped out in the Old Testament scriptures over hundreds and hundreds of years, and many different prophets, priests, and kings, and from Moses to Isaiah, we see that the death of the Messiah was the would be the critical moment in human history when. Uh, sins would be forgiven, and the possibility of a relationship with God would be established. And so we're going to begin with the old, and we're going to talk about the new, uh, but we're going to focus a bit on on the old. And on an aside, sort of, um, one of the reasons we do this radio program is not just to bring the blessings of God's Word and a Jewish perspective to each and every one of us, but to also help train you, dear friend, to help equip you so that you can share the good news, the gospel in a Jewish way with your Jewish friends, neighbors, and loved ones. And so part of the mission of Chosen People Ministries is to help Christians share the gospel with Jewish people through some knowledge, some biblical understanding, and through resources uh, that we have. And so this is going to be, I hope, a real blessing to you i'm going to turn it over to bobby uh, walter my co-host who i think is going to begin our journey by taking a look at psalm 22.
2: yes yes thank you mitch Uh, shalom to you and shalom to all of our listeners and uh you know mitch you're you're right i i love how you shared the magnitude of what took place on the cross as yeshua died for us as jesus died for our sins and this is something you know it's an event and and something that happened uh not in a vacuum right Mm -hmm. god made it clear like you mentioned that that these things would happen but not only that they would happen but they needed to happen that he needed to die on the cross and i think and very important for us as christians as believers as followers of yeshua to be acquainted with because when we read the gospels when we read the gospel accounts of Yeshua's death on that tree, on that on that cross, uh, Psalm 22 comes to the forefront time and time again. Especially Matthew, uh, and sort of as an aside, Psalms 22, 23, 24; those three right in a row are all very very messianic. Psalm 22 talks so much about the death of the Messiah. Psalm 23 talks so much about the the ministry of the Messiah as the shepherd. Uh, And then Psalm 24, in a lot of ways, talks about the second coming. So these are are great Psalms for you to meditate upon, to look at, and even share with your Jewish friends. So some of these passages in Psalm 22 that we see fulfilled on the cross. uh, Verse 16, okay, This this is a pretty big one, right? It says, For dogs have surrounded me, a band of evildoers has encompassed me, they pierced my hands and my feet. So it's, it's so specific. And again, it's such a clear foreshadowing and, and description of what took place on the cross. Yeshua, his hands, his feet were pierced he, as he was nailed to the cross. And he was surrounded by Romans um, who were ridiculing him and, and persecuting him and torturing him. And then he was surrounded also by those from the Jewish nation, uh, especially religious leaders who were mocking him you know, as this band of evildoers. Verse 18 as well, Uh, they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. And sure enough, again, we see the the Roman soldiers uh, doing this very thing with the garments of Jesus. But one passage that I think really stands out is Psalm 22 verse 1. Uh, These are the words that that Jesus cried out on the cross, says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning oh my god i cry day by day but you do not answer and by night but i have no rest so these words that yeshua cried out on the cross my god my god why have you forsaken me it's a direct quote so our minds are meant to go back there uh, are meant to go back to this passage uh when we think about what took place on the cross and uh mitch i know that uh, You know, our our friend Tim Keller, Pastor Tim Keller at uh, Redeemer, who's done such a great work in New York City uh, for many, many years. I've heard him preach on the significance of Yeshua quoting this, and he always points out that at that moment on the cross when Yeshua cried out those words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's the only place in the Gospels where we see Yeshua speaking to the Father, praying to the Father, crying out to the Father. And he doesn't say, my father. Instead, he says, my God, my God. Now, why is that significant? Well, again, Pastor Keller likes to point out that it was an indication that there was some sort of breach in the relationship between the father and the son at that moment. As Yeshua, uh, the one who knew no sin, became sin and took all of our sins upon himself. It's like the, the, the face of the father turned away in some sense Uh, but mitch why don't you share with us about isaiah 53 where again we see the significance of the death of jesus on the cross uh, but also the the purpose behind it the the atoning nature of his death
1: yeah bobby when i was being raised in a pretty traditional jewish home in new york city uh, we were never taught honestly that messiah would die Uh, there was no concept of two comings there was no concept there was a, a sort of a a little bit of a, an idea of two messiahs, but that was not a very popular view. I was a very minority type of view. Uh, so when I was first thinking about coming to faith, uh, I had first I had to get over the fact that Jesus was Jewish. So that was that was helpful, knowing he was Jewish. You know, the second thing uh, was I had no clue that there were two comings, and so. When my friends said they believed in Jesus and they said, he's the Messiah, I said, that's impossible because the world's still a mess. I knew that for sure. And if the Messiah was going to come, he would establish his kingdom. So don't be shocked when you talk to one of your Jewish friends about the Lord that they're really mystified by your starting with the death of, of the Messiah, the death of Jesus, because There's just no concept of that in Judaism um, for most Jewish people. And so you have to be, even with very, very bright Jewish people, you have to start slowly and say, listen, uh, I understand that you may not believe that the Messiah was supposed to die, and, and certainly you may not believe Messiah was to die as an atonement for our sins, but... Why don't we just look at what the Hebrew Scriptures say? It's better to use that term than the Old Testament. But Why don't we look at what the Hebrew Scriptures say? And then you can turn to Psalm 22 and look at what David uh, said about this coming servant of the Lord. And then you can turn to Isaiah chapter 53. Let me start with verse 4. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried, yet we thought him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted so at first we thought that he died for his own sins but then we realized something different verse five he was pierced through for our transgressions that's the hebrew word which refers to rebellion he was crushed for our iniquities that's the hebrew word which refers to crookedness and uh, the image is the law is a straight line and we are all crooked the chastening for our well-being fell upon him uh well-being is the hebrew word shalom so the uh, The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. So as a result of his suffering, we receive blessing. And by his scourging, we are healed. And so you can see that there is some type of substitutionary atonement happening here. Verse 6, all of us like sheep have gone astray. That's the essence of sin. We've gone our own way, Isaiah says, but the Lord caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. So let me summarize Bobby with 2 Corinthians 5.21, which really is the New Testament interpretation of Isaiah 53. Paul, who is obviously a devout Jewish person, said he made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So everything Jesus should have received, we received, and everything we should have received, punishment for our sin, Jesus took on his shoulders. And so we have a substitution. He is the ultimate kippurah, the ultimate Mm -hmm. sin sacrifice for us. He died so that we might live. Clearly, the crucifixion of Jesus should never have come as a surprise to my Jewish people. It was written in the Hebrew scriptures. It was promised uh, Mm -hmm. for hundreds upon hundreds of years that the Mm -hmm. Messiah, when he would come, Would die for our sins. And that's what my prayer is for my Jewish people, that Jewish people will recognize that the Messiah would come to die on their behalf for their sins. He would take their punishment upon himself and that they might find forgiveness of sin. As one Jew to another, if you're Jewish and you're listening today, I hope that you've heard the message clearly. Yeshua, Jesus, is your Messiah. He died for your sins so that you might receive the gift of everlasting life. That's the message we proclaim to our Jewish people.
0: New York City, home to an estimated 1.6 million Jewish people. At Chosen People Ministries, we gather believers from all over the country every summer to proclaim the good news of Jesus the Messiah to Jewish people all around the city. We engage in street outreach and follow-up, We also invite our volunteers to a special Jewish cultural day, Sabbath dinner celebration, and more. If you have a heart for the Jewish people and love to talk about Jesus, visit ChosenPeople.com slash ShalomNewYork to find out more. That's ChosenPeople.com slash ShalomNewYork. We hope to see you this summer.
1: Shalom, friends. This is Mitch Glazer, president of Chosen People Ministries. There is a growing movement of the Holy Spirit among second generation young adults. And we have a great ministry to these folks. There are hundreds of them. There's a beautiful commercial center, two and a half times the size of what we have now that'll seat over 150 people. We have space for children's work. We have space for a cafe. And so pray over the center. We'd love to have you come on a Chosen People trip. But I know that you'll wanna be involved in one way or another to help the gospel go out in power to Israel.
0: To learn more about this new, exciting project, visit chosenpeople.com telavivcenter Tel Aviv Center. That's chosenpeople.com slash Tel Aviv Center. Partner with us to bring the love of Yeshua to Israel today.
2: Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. Here at Chosen People Ministries, we hear from a lot of Jewish people who have found the Messiah, and right now we'd like to share one of those stories with you. After
3: what happened to her father, my mother had to immediately be taken to the south of France to hide on the farm until the end of the war. She did that and then she came back to Paris where she lived, but she realized she was about 17 when she came back and she realized that for her, at least for her, God had died in the Holocaust. Her faith in anything was gone. She had a good reason. She basically was 15 when the Gestapo came to the house where she still lives in, in Paris, Snatched her father from in front of her eyes, and took him away. And then she didn't find out until much later that he died in Auschwitz. That's why he never came back. 1981, I came on my own. Uh, came to California, and I was kind of excited because, you know, for a Frenchman, California, I was like, wow, you know, palm trees, the beach. And, of course, I was thinking, you know, Californian girls. We always talk about Californian girls. Well, sure enough, on that trip, towards the end of my trip, I met this girl, Californian girl, and I fell in love with her. Beautiful girl. And uh, it was only 10 days, but I fell in love with her. I have to say, I was quite excited to introduce my French friends to this California girlfriend of mine. That was pretty cool for a Frenchman to have a Californian girlfriend. We, uh, we spent some time together, and eventually one day I told her, I said, listen, uh, I really think I want to marry you. And that's when she said, well, wait a minute. We can't do that. I'm a Christian, and you're Jewish. We don't believe in the same, in the same thing. And I said, I don't care. We, you can believe in whatever you want. Let me believe in whatever I want. You love me. I love you. Let's just move on and stay together and get married. She wouldn't do that. At some point uh, in my late teens, uh, my sister had married this uh, um, religious Jewish man, and uh, uh, after becoming friendly, he asked me if I wanted to go with him and study the Torah and the Talmud and consider my Jewish roots a a little deeper. And I was attracted to that for a little while. I was uh, because there was something, when you have Jewish blood, when you hear Yiddish, when you hear something Jewish, it always kind of touches you in a certain way. So I was attracted to that. Uh, But then, uh, having grown up in a very Jewish environment with Jewish family everywhere, I remember that what really bothered me is, in, 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 in a lot of cases, was some of the hypocrisy I saw. In, in the Jewish community, and I kept thinking of the time that we would go to synagogue for Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, uh, just to please the, the patriarch of the family. And so we'd be there, we'd give him a kiss and say, hey, we're here, you know, uh and then we'd go outside and smoke cigarettes and look at the new cars that we bought, the new clothes, and I realized this is, this is not real. This is not about religion. This is not about God. The Bible is just God's book, a big book. It, it meant nothing to me. This is just about pretending. And I thought, if I'm ever, ever going to believe in God for anything, it's got to be real. Whoever he is, it's got to be real. It can't be hypocrisy. So I said no. I got this book from uh, from Ellen, the late great planet Earth. And uh, it was a book on prophecies. Uh, and it was divided in two parts. The first, the, the prophecies of the Messiah when he came, and the prophecies of the Messiah when he's going to come back and it was a little, a little overwhelming for me, but they were very short. So I started reading, uh, this is what was prophesied in the Jewish Bible, and this is what happened. And I'm going like, wow, this, if this is really true, this is, this is kind of cool. Uh, and I would read this book on my way to work every day in Paris, uh, in the subway, and I think two or three times, I actually missed my stop when I had stopped and I'm going like, oh my goodness, I had to get out and go on the other train and go back to my work and be late. It's at that time that things started to change it really became more of a reality and what was interesting to me when I read the Bible God's Word it did nothing but when a man in the book that he wrote gave me the same information it was like relating a man to another man I'm going ah this guy believes that I'm not alone maybe he's right when I think of Jesus when I thought of Jesus back then to me Jesus was a dead man on a cross the statue you see in the Catholic Church. How many times I had been into a Catholic Church? Maybe a dozen times for special events for my friends. But there was no connection. Uh, I knew because in the family it was being told, Jesus is not for us. But because my entire family was non-religious, there was never any discussion of why he was not for us. I was just told early on, Jesus is not for the Jews. The first time I really understood who Jesus was, I realized that he was somebody who was completely innocent of anything, who paid the price for everything I've ever done. And that, that, that was hard for me to accept. He basically died for me. He said, you know what, I'll take care of it. You're innocent now. Whatever you did, it's gone. That was big, and to be honest with you, Every morning when I get up, I'm going like, I can't believe he did that, because I really don't deserve that. There was an increasing burden to both reach my people and study God's word. And uh, I was really interested in in, in finding out what God had to say. So eventually this led to uh, me deciding to go to uh, study for, to get a degree uh, at a Bible college in Jewish studies, to get a degree in Jewish studies. And I remember calling my dad after, it was probably like 10 years when I told him my involvement in the believing community. And every time I called him, there was a little more, and a little more, and a little more. Eventually I called him and said, Dad, I'm gonna go to a Bible college and get a degree, a Bible degree in Jewish studies. And my dad's reaction, he was not a believer, said, what's happened to you? Next time you call me, are you gonna be the Pope?
2: You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. And we want to thank you so much for joining us today. And Mitch, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's happening this summer with Chosen People? Well, it's exciting,
1: Bobby. You know, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God to salvation for all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And what better place to practice that passage of Scripture than in New York City, where you don't have to go looking too hard for the Jewish people to be first. We have 2 million Jewish people in New York City, and you will have the opportunity this summer to join us in bringing the gospel to the Jewish people first and also to the Gentiles. And usually every summer we actually lead more Gentiles to the Lord than Jewish people, and, and that's that's our joy So, Shalom, New York is sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. We've been doing this for many, many years. The dates are July 29th through August 5th. That's July 29th through August 5th. And so, we will take the opportunity to bring people in from all over the United States and all over the world, and we'll have some great fellowship, great worship, even great food, bagels, pizza for everybody. You know, we're going to have a a wonderful time, uh, but We're going to focus on bringing the gospel on the streets, in the parks, and all over uh, New York City to the Jew first and also to the Gentiles. So come. There's no age limit. Uh, If you're under 18, come with a parent. Just bring them along. But there's no age limit. There's going to be something for everybody to do. And uh, we'll try and use your spiritual gifts the best we can as we find them out as quickly, quickly as we can. And so it's going to be a wonderful time. So come
2: to Shalom, New York, and you can find out all about it on our website. And when you reach out today, be sure to ask for our latest resource on Israel called The People, the Land, and the Future of Israel. It's free and available right now on DVD or as a digital download. So call us today. The number to dial is 888-293-7482. That's 888-2-YESHUA, the Hebrew name for Jesus. And now let's wrap up today's program with the ironic benediction <laughs>